0: Welcome, welcome. This is Cassandra Austin McDonald with the Growth Through It podcast, where I share my personal life experiences and the stories of others who have grown through life's ups and downs and came out on the other side. Listen in as you may become inspired to evolve into the best version of yourself. Well, welcome back everyone to another episode on the Growth Threat Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Austin McDonald, and today I have with me a lovely guest, Miss Antoinette Chanel. Welcome, Antoinette. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So you guys, um, Antoinette and I have actually been doing these weekly Instagram lives having conversations on various topics and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast because I think some of you may not be on
1: Instagram. (laughs) True, true. Instagram's not everyone's platform.
0: Yeah and I said you know what let's carry this conversation to the podcast world and let everybody get on the good. So uh, before we dive all in the deep end, let's go ahead and just give Antoinette her due diligence. So everyone, for those of you who don't know, Antoinette Chanel, she is an author and a professional motivator. And her book, Connecting the Dots, will be out later this month on August 23rd. She's also a wife, a mom, a podcast host, all the wonderful things. And I'm super excited about our connection. Antoinette and I actually connected, oh my gosh, what was that? Like It was 2019. Okay. That's what I was thinking like two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And we stayed in touch. And then ironically, she also lives in Florida where many of you know, I've relocated to. And so we've been, you know, developing our connection and then decided to collaborate on an upcoming summit for self-care. So I'm super excited to um, share more about that and what we're doing with that. But first, I would just like to get people to know a little bit more about you, Antoinette, and just how you even got into the wellness space yourself. Because I know a lot of us have a backstory of what even brought us into our work.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. So um, I would say that this work for me with regard to motivating people and speaking about mental health probably started with me when I was in college, when I was an undergrad. Um, Similar to you, I faced a difficult period during my undergrad time and I decided to reach out to the counseling center that was on campus at my university and it was through meeting my counselor there that I realized that there is more than one version to like how things are going. You know, I, I basically went in there and I sat down and I told her my whole life and I said, this is how it is. And this woman showed me that, you know, you can change your perspective a little bit to see things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And that can be helpful at times so that you are not hurting yourself by, you know, a lot of us can gaslight and, you know, trick ourselves into thinking things that are unhealthy. And so, Once that happened for me, I was like, okay, so there's like this whole other side of things that I can explore if I want to. But I wasn't old enough yet to mm-hmm. really do that. I, I mm-hmm. didn't have the emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. I don't believe to really dive in deep at that point. I was only, I think, twenty-two or twenty-three at this time. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I just sort of let it sit. But then over time, I found myself coming back to therapy, coming back to counseling mm-hmm. because I just found that it it just it helped me to make sense of my life. And then as I got older into my career and really started identifying the things that I really wanted to do, I decided that I don't want to be a psychologist or a therapist or anything like that. I've already gone to school for English and writing, so I'm not going to go back and get a new degree, but I definitely want to share messages that can help other people find the realizations that I also found, especially within the black community, because unfortunately we still are not fully on board with the idea of supporting mental health as a means of improving overall health. Right.
0: I love that. Um, when you mentioned where you started and it's almost like that was the seed. And then over time, it's like, it just grows and grows and grows into what it becomes, what seems to be your life's work. You know, it's like you have this, awareness, like early on in life, like something's not right, Mm -hmm. but then allowing the process to play itself out over time to bring you to the point of where you're at now. Yes. What what has that process been like for you in terms of navigating your own wellness journey and mental health? And um, you have different roles in your life. You know, you're a wife, you're a mom, you're a leader um, in your own right with the work that you do in your community. What has that process been like for you?
1: Um, So at first it was definitely difficult trying to be confident and also, um, you know, standing 10 toes down and like, I support therapy, I support counseling and all of that kind of stuff because um, the older people in my life, the older relatives and friends that Mm -hmm. I have, they are not as invested in that. And mm-hmm. so a lot of them questioned, you know, why do you need that? You don't seem like you're sad. You don't seem like anything's wrong. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them will be very surprised to find out that I have had suicidal ideation before. Mm-hmm. My first suicidal ideation happened when I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, including my parents, are still shocked to know that that was happening with me at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that side of it, but then there's also the other side of it where... I appreciate the deep work that I have been doing because at this point I can really see in my friend circle and in my inner circle, just the network of people who I allow to be closer to me. Mm -hmm. I can see that the quality of that has gotten better. And Mm -hmm. I believe that that is a combination of both my doing the deep work and therefore getting a little better at recognizing like who, who, what kinds of people are good to form relationships with Mm -hmm. and which ones to stay away from based Mm -hmm. on my personality Mm -hmm. and my needs. Um, And then also I think that some of the, the bad influences, if you will sort of Mm -hmm. dropped away as they noticed that I was changing and growing. So um, you know, it, it's definitely, I've seen both sides of the spectrum and it can be up and down, you know, not everybody understands still, why I would want to be so invested in Mm -hmm. mental health and sharing that with other people. But I eventually, like you, you and I have talked about this before. I Mm -hmm. had to get to a place where I just didn't care anymore about who had a problem with what I was saying or what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I knew that when I was speaking in truth about mental health and about The lessons that I have learned, I knew that it felt good inside, and I was that was enough for me to just stick with the fact that it feels good to talk about this and share this with people. Yeah, I feel like you shared so much. I want to unpack. Okay, yes, (laughs) let's do that. (laughs) Yes,
0: I'm just specifically there's two things that stood out to me: the perception others have of you doing your own work.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: it really had me reflect on, you know, what I've experienced and how so many people it's almost like and I I say this to people all the time and and specifically my clients before they start working with me, I tell them, uh, I'm just warning you that when you start this work you're, you may notice some shifts in your relationship.
1: <laughs> it's like a warning disclaimer. Like yeah, that's the perfect let me, let me, disclaimer. Let me, I'm, like, I'm just warning you. Yeah, <laughs> Things are going to get a little rough around here for, for the people who don't want to grow and change. Like that's it right there. Yes. That's yes. it.
0: You know, it's almost like we're a mirror to, because it becomes obvious uh-huh. when you're doing this type of work. Um, we feel lighter. And I think that lighter feeling becomes transparent to others. And they see the light in us. They see something looks different. You're glowing. We hear all these different compliments all the time. Like something's different. You're glowing. You look happier. But what I believe also happens is it causes them to reflect on what's not going on within them. And then Mm -hmm. rather than them taking ownership of that, they project back, well, why are you doing that?
1: Mhm
0: because mm-hmm. if they can find fault with what you're doing then it takes some responsibility off of them to have to do their own work. How do you yeah. feel about that?
1: Okay, so um <laughs> It's interesting because I can remember being that person, being that person and hearing from someone else who was maybe a colleague or an acquaintance, not a super close friend, but just someone that I knew who, you know, all of a sudden now they're jumping into yoga and meditation just Mm -hmm. out of the blue, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's strange. I didn't even know they had an interest in that, but whatever. And I really had to look at myself in those moments and say, well, Antoinette, why do you have such a problem with what they're doing? Mm. And realize that, you know what, I, I don't have any acceptable reason to have a problem with that. And so that was, that was how I had to first call myself out and say, okay, like if you, if you have an issue with that, then there's something wrong with you. Mm. And then once I figured out that that was happening, I asked myself, well, why don't you try some of these things? Why can't you do yoga? You've got space. Why can't you try meditation? You've got time, you know? And so then, then that is what led to my mind being opened to trying these new experiences. But... (laughs) With regard to your question, the people who look around and they question and they don't understand it. Mm -hmm. What became very evident for me in those moments was that my growth seems to really offend Mm -hmm. people. And at first I struggled with that until I realized that, you know what, they all have the same choice that I did. Mm -hmm. They can choose to question it and then also question themselves and then figure out that, you know, I don't have a rational reason for having an issue with this. So Mm -hmm. let me just stop. They could do that, but they're choosing not to. And um, for the longest time I was in denial about what that meant about a person's character. And I had to have some painful experiences to show me that no, honey, when you see people throwing up the the you know the the red X's and the stop signs and stuff when it comes to your growth and your potential, yes. that means that they don't want to see you do well. They feel mm-hmm. threatened by that because maybe they themselves don't believe that they can do well. Mm-hmm. That was a lesson though, Cassandra. And it took yeah. me years to learn that, to, to get over that last part of they're resisting my change and what that means about that person's character. It took a long time for me to figure that out.
0: Yeah, I think that um, for a lot of us who are in this personal growth space, um, within our own journeys and just in the space in general, I think we've all had some of those experiences where we're navigating um, like the objections of others to Mm -hmm. our own growth, which brings me to my second point that you mentioned where as we grow and evolve. And what I believe happens on this journey is it's not about changing who you are, but more about becoming more of who you are. Like mm-hmm. we, we wake up to the truth of who we are. and We learn how to embrace and embody and accept who we really are instead of taking on these identities and these roles that never belonged to us in the first place. And I think that's how it shifts to your point, these more healthier, fruitful relationships later down the line where we realize, Mm -hmm. well, this is who I really am. And why am I friends with this person? Because I actually don't vibe with their values and beliefs. Like that's really not who I am. And so I wanted to hear more about like that process for you of navigating these healthier relationships now that you have gotten into this deeper understanding of who you are and, Mm -hmm. and doing this work.
1: Yeah. You know, I like to think of it as a blossoming, if you will. So you were just talking about how it's not so much about us changing or growing. We, we become more of ourselves and and more comfortable with being ourselves. And I agree with that. I think that it's like a blossoming of a flower. And if we think about flowers, think about if a rose that is definitely a rose is trying to be a sunflower.
0: Yeah. That, that's
1: like, you ain't supposed yeah. to be no sunflower. <laughs> no, like that's, that's not what you're meant to be, sweetheart. You're meant to be a rose. So just stay over here with the rose bush and do your thing, you know, but yeah. that's what a lot of that is like when, you know, we are coming into our own, we are leaning into our growth and maybe the people around us are trying to stifle that or get mm-hmm. us to grow in a different direction that serves them. Um, yeah, you know, the, I'm going to use our friendship as an example of this, because I think that what tends to happen is that So there's this this blossoming that takes place. You finally start leaning into what you really are, the carnation, the Mm -hmm. poppy, the rose, whatever it is you're supposed to really be. And it's like all of the stuff that's not like you, it has no choice but to fall away. Like Mm -hmm. we can't grow potatoes right here next to this rose. That's not gonna work, you know? We we can't put a cactus next to the rose. That's not gonna work. The cactus needs to hang out in the cactus environment near other cacti, you know, that kind of thing. And so- it just it's like they they gradually fall away, but then you're also able to look around and see the other people who are like you mm. um, in that landscape. and I feel like that's a lot of what happened with us, yeah you and I have been on this journey. We've been connected for two years now, a little over two years now. Mm-hmm. And we've been on this journey where we really haven't been like side-by-side side comparing notes the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I know that I've seen similar growth in you that I've experienced myself. And I'm like, yes, that's, that makes me happy. <laughs> I'm glad to see that she is continuing to move forward and she's staying committed to what she loves yeah. because that's exactly what I'm doing. And that's part of why I'm so happy that you and I are getting the chance to work together now, because I think we're going to get to exemplify to people what your friendships can look like yeah. when you're doing the work, when you have realistic expectations on yourself and other people. Yes. And when you're not trying to make anything, you're not trying to make meanings into out of anything or make anything into something else. You're just going with the flow. Yes it can look like this. And so, um, you know, and I'm, that part is definitely the consolation prize for Mm -hmm. all of the difficulty of, you know, separation from the people who just don't understand, they're not on your level emotionally. spiritually you know that constellation of knowing that the ones that you do identify that you have things in common with that bond is probably going to be deeper and stronger because Mm -hmm. it comes from a place of that internal work that we've all been doing and um you know we're able to be better friends to each other and ourselves nicer too you know that's all around yeah
0: i know um and part of our collaborating, Antoinette and I have been trying to like split up things and Antoinette actually was picking up some, some tasks and I was like, oh my God, I'm dropping the ball. And I was like super apologetic. It's just like, it's okay. But for me, um, just always wanting to show someone, you know, where I stand as far as letting them know, like, I'm not taking anything for granted. I see you. Thank you. Because I know how it feels to be on the other end, you know, and I was, and so for being able to navigate that and the grace, you know, it, it shined a lot for showed a lot for me where it's like, you know what, this is different than before, because Mm -hmm. before I feel like my relationships were hard and I don't believe relationships should be hard. I believe that they should flow. Now, granted there's, sh- there may be challenges, but I believe there's a difference between hard and challenges. And I'm, I was suffering from hard relationships in the past mm-hmm. and I was like, it should not be this hard. <laughs> like, <Right? laughs>
1: yes. Why is this so hard? <laughs> uh-huh. I know, especially when you're going into it with nothing but good intentions yeah. and you know, you're, you're, you're just trying to be a decent person, but then all of a sudden, you have expectations placed on you that are unfair or yeah. just you know unrealistic and you know that just sets the tone for things to you know spiral into a bad space but yeah i same with you i am also someone who previously had a lot of hard relationships there was someone who i considered to be my best best friend and this person is not a bad person we are no longer friends but that is That's for the best. Like that, that is a natural development that probably should have happened long before it actually did happen but that was an example of a hard relationship simply because we just weren't compatible. Yeah. But I was believing in the idea that if you have history with someone, if you've mm. known someone for so long, you have to keep them around and no, you you keep people in your life as long as it works. That part. But if it's not working, it's okay to let people go and that doesn't say anything about you being uh, superficial or fly by night or anything. I know that there's some folks out there who like to spin the narrative that, Oh, if you cut people off, that means that you're fickle and you're superficial and you're fake. No, that that's not what that means. What that means is that that you are, no, exactly. That that's enforcing good boundaries. That's not being superficial or fake.
0: Well, and my thing is, especially for those of us who are recovering from past traumas, And we are in this work of discovering more of who we are and living from that truth. I think part of the reason it could appear fickle is what they don't realize is that those past relationships were never true to us to begin with. And Mm -hmm. had we been who we are now back then, we may not have ever been in those relationships. And I think that's the flip side of the coin that people fail to, to see is that A lot of us have formed trauma bonds and toxic Mm -hmm. relationships and unhealthy relationships because of those unhealthy patterns that we developed from past traumas. And if we don't deal with it and heal from it, we just keep repeating those cycles over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I believe what happens when we're doing this work that we do is as we're breaking those patterns and cycles within ourselves, inevitably it breaks the patterns and cycles in the relationships. And that's why we find ourselves forming new relationships because we're forming new, healthier patterns.
1: Yeah, most definitely. I know that one way that my behavior changed as I was really starting to get into this work is that I learned that I did not need to engage with people who seemed very intent on misunderstanding me or misconstruing me. Let me throw something in the air. (laughs) Right. Okay. So clearly, clearly I'm speaking your language right now (laughs) because yeah, it just, but, um, you're right when it comes to breaking patterns so so let's say that you are in a relationship with someone who they they you can tell that they are willfully just misunderstanding you they want to misconstrue what you're saying. they want to make it seem like you're coming from a place that is not even close to what your viewpoints are. Right continuing to engage with those people is really just a waste of your energy. And even though they won't admit this to you, that other person really loves watching you get so flustered and, Mm -hmm. you know, waste your energy on them like that, that makes them feel like they still have control over to you over you. And so, you know, one way you break that pattern is that you decide that, you know what, I'm not going to engage with this person anymore. Yeah. (laughs) I know that it can be And for those of you listening, if you're not there yet, that's okay. It's a skill to do this. Mm -hmm. I I definitely had to learn to do this. And um, it's going to be tougher the closer the relationship is that you have with that person who likes to gaslight you and invalidate you. So if this is someone like a sibling or a parent or someone you grew up with, it's going to be a little harder to ignore them than maybe your boss or a coworker who does that to you. Um, but yeah, you know, you break the cycle of engaging, they want to fight and they try to bait you into it. And you just, you know, oh, well, you didn't call me bad. Oh, I must have forgot. Yeah you know, and then they're, they're just stunned. Like, Oh, you forgot. Oh, that's the end. I wanted this to be a three hour conflict. And you just ended it in two seconds, you know, that, that, that breaks the pattern. And then all of a sudden they're going to stop trying to bait you. If you stay like that consistently for a while. And then yes, what you just mentioned friend about breaking cycles, breaking patterns leads to the end of unhealthy relationships, or at least the, the diminishing of such, you know, you can at least get some distance from those people. Yeah.
0: And that, I think that's, what's so fascinating about this work to me is that that's why I believe, I believe with everything in me, this is an inside out journey that Mm -hmm. whatever we do within, we're going to see it and experience it in the physical world. And what I find fascinating is, how addicted humans are to pain and drama and suffering we have like patterns yes and yeah. it's, and i get it you know i i'm a recovering emotional eater you know and so <laughs> i get it you know yeah. if I, my anxiety's through the roof and i don't want to deal with it i want to numb it and food uh-huh. is the way i've always numbed it um however I also know that what you don't deal with is going to keep, continue to manifest in your life. That part. And I know that by me numbing, it's not doing anything, but tucking it away somewhere. And it's mm-hmm. going to show up some way, somehow, some form that I'm not going to like. So yep. I might as well sit through that anxiety and do my work. <laughs> 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 that's the yeah. part that people don't want to do. And, right. and, it, and it looks different for everyone, you know, uh-huh. but I find fascinating how you can start to see that shift where it's almost like having this out-of-body experience where you become, and I always say this, becoming the observer versus the absorber. And you're Mm -hmm. like, you're like looking and seeing like, Oh wow. Like I see this playing out and I'm no longer participating in it. And I actually can see how once upon a time ago, I was actually like a little puppet in
1: this little game. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> exactly. That used to be me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for real. And I mean, that is if you get to that space where you're looking at the situation from the outside in kudos and congratulations, because that means you made it out. Like that literally is you escaping Shawshank. Like you got out the prison and you can now run to freedom. <laughs> I love that and, movie. Yeah. Right. I do too. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, it, it is crazy. And and I almost have to laugh when I look back at like some of the just crazy dysfunction, I don't laugh at myself because, you know, it's very easy to become victim to these things, especially when you have people around you who you are trusting somewhat blindly, because these are people who have been in your life for a long time. These are the adults who are supposed to be advising you. It's very easy to fall into that. But, you know, I kind of laugh because it's like, man, this this whole situation is all because that guy doesn't want to have to face the truth because it will hurt his ego. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like that that we are doing all of these shenanigans to protect this person's ego. Mm -hmm. That's the reason we can't tell the truth about what's really happening in the family, because it's going to hurt that person's ego. My God, I'm glad to be out of that.
0: (laughs) Oh my. Yeah.
1: I feel like
0: a part I was fearing for so long, I was fearing, um, like experiencing the abandonment again, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to get abandoned and rejected again if I make a stand. But when I did make the stand and I still was rejected and abandoned, what I realized in that moment was I wasn't being abandoned or rejected per se It was more. So I was choosing myself. Mm -hmm. I was making the choice and it helped me to escape that victim mentality of, Oh, they're, they're rejecting me and abandoning me and really step into my power and say, no, you made a choice that Mm -hmm. you're no longer going to participate in this dysfunction. And because you made the choice, um, they get to decide too, if they're going to you know, do their work or continue to be dysfunctional. And they just, they made their choice. I made my choice and we could amicably go our separate ways. Yeah. But I, I loved when I was able to even have that mental shift because for so long, I felt victim to this whole abandonment rejection wound. And it, and it Mm -hmm. caused me to stay in not just family relationships, but friendships far too long out of that fear of, if I say something or, you know, make a stand for something that I knew inevitably they're not going to agree with. That means Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose another friend. I'm going to lose another relationship. And so Mm -hmm. learning how to not tie so much of who I am and my worth to relationships. And I feel like by doing so, then you can attract these healthier relationships into your life.
1: Yes, most definitely. And it's I also struggle with abandonment issues. So um, we have that in common. And it's (laughs) isn't it interesting how like we do all of this, like jumping through hoops and whatnot to avoid the abandonment. But in those relationships, even when you were doing things right, didn't you also get abandoned? Exactly. (laughs) I mean, that, that was the reality I had to come down to is that um, again, referencing that friendship that I told you about, I had serious abandonment issues. That you know, I'm not going to have a friend. I'm not going to have a social life anymore if I if I defy this person. But truth be told, I spent most of that friendship alone because. This person was always ghosting me or, you know, we had plans and they didn't show up and things like that. That was abandonment too. And that was yeah. abandonment that I was subjecting myself to because I wouldn't get out of the relationship. Yeah. That's you such know, an interesting it's,
0: point. Like they may physically be there in a sense, but it's like that emotional connection is not there.
1: It's not. I mean, truth, truthfully, what I'm understanding, and again, everyone listening, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. (laughs) That's not what I got my degree in, but, um, the abandonment as I understand it is someone who is just not present in the relationship. So maybe they're not emotionally available. They are not physically present, et cetera. Um, and I spent most of that friendship alone. I spent Mm -hmm. most of that friendship cultivating the, Uh, progress alone and so and and that's something that is I don't know that that gets talked about enough either friend that there are some of us out here who because we are such go-getters because Mm -hmm. we are so alpha Mm -hmm. we can often tend to be the ones that continue relationships Um, With very little input from the other side. Mm -hmm. And now in some instances, that is very, very unhealthy. That is a one sided relationship and you're carrying the whole thing. There are some scenarios that I've seen where it's not so much that that person doesn't care and they don't care to be um, equitable in the relationship, it's more like out of sight, out of mind for mm-hmm. these people. So if you're not right there in front of them, or you don't work with them, or you're not their neighbor, they're not going to automatically be conscientious of you. Mm-hmm. But if you text them, and you know, they they see it, they will text back and they'll text with you for an hour to find out how you've been, let's yeah. catch up. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I want to point that out too, because I think that I think a lot of times we get told that you shouldn't have to carry relationships. And that part is true. I'm not disagreeing with that. Mm -hmm. But I think that there are some relationships and some people who just aren't good at the constant communication piece, Mm -hmm. but they do still love and care about us. I have a couple of friends who are like that, who... Um, you know, I had to just realize after a while that she's just not the pick up and phone, pick up the phone and call, you know, unless she sees like on Facebook, like, oh, you got an accident or something like that, you know, yeah, like she's just not yeah. that person, but she will make time and she will be there for me. And so, um, that's one distinction that I wanted to point out, but, um, going back to what I was talking about. Um, yeah, the abandonment, if you're the only one who's pouring in the only one who's given a crap and that person just is straight up showing that they don't care, they they're fully happy with taking and taking and not giving in the relationship, Mm -hmm um, you know, you've already been abandoned. So your, your fear, you, you really can let that go because you're surviving through the abandonment. Now let's go ahead and stick up for yourself and, you know, get some self-respect and show other people how to treat you too, because you've already been abandoned. So, yeah, you know, facing that reality.
0: Yeah. That is such a good point. And I think, um, that's probably the deeper truth that is, probably harder to face when you're still trapped in that pattern is Hmm. realizing that it has already happened and it's by facing that truth that you realize you have to release the relationship yes and I wonder if that is what makes it hard to release the relationship because you haven't even faced the reality that You've already been abandoned.
1: It's already happened. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's it's a painful reality for a lot of people. You know, we were just talking about protecting people's egos. That's a huge shot to the ego when you find out that this person who you thought was your really good friend, they really are just along for the ride. And this yeah. is convenience for them. You know, that that's hard to face that reality um, in this friendship that I've been alluding to this entire time. The way that I found that out was... So um, we moved from San Diego, California to Gainesville, Florida in 2014. Mm -hmm. And one of the last things that we did out in San Diego is we threw our our daughter, her first birthday party in our home right before we, we sold it and left. Mm -hmm. So, um, everyone knew like, you know, this birthday party is going to be like the last hurrah. So if you want to see them before they move away, you got to be at this. And I'm sure you can guess who wasn't there. The Fern. Uh-huh. Yeah. And no excuse, no nothing. Mm-hmm. I went onto social media to find that I had been unfriended, blocked in some cases, wow. even on LinkedIn, girl. LinkedIn, wow. she just like, let me get you off my LinkedIn. Wow. I was like, Well, damn, I was feeling some type of way. <laughs> really was. Really, really was. And I'm like, okay, is that serious? You could have just told me, hey, yeah, I don't like you no more, but okay. Yeah. Um, and then, like, not even a week later, I got on a one-way flight and I flew from San Diego where I I grew up I lived there for 30 years I moved from San Diego to Florida and when I got here I had to not only unpack the hurt Mm -hmm. but I had to start telling the truth about several relationships but that one in particular because I didn't want to be that girl that was off running around thinking that she had these great relationships when she didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to be that person and I had to face some facts in that that were difficult but I learned in those moments that Antoinette when you see the red flags, when you see that the writing is on the wall, you're only increasing your pain exponentially yeah, right. by denying that. Right. So let's go ahead and tell ourselves the truth from now on. Yeah.
0: And that w- and this conversation brings me to my next point, which is part of our collaboration is the self-care piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so passionate about the topic of self-care, especially right now, because I noticed that so many people have this very surface superficial, um, idea of self-care. And I, am always telling people it is so much bigger than bubble baths and spas and yeah. all this stuff <laughs> I've seen. They're like self-care Sunday, I'm going to the spa. And I'm like, yeah, that's cute. Yeah, <laughs> that's Instagram. I'm like, that's, that's cool. And I love, I, Hey, don't get me wrong now. I love me a good spa to bath. Okay. Oh, However, yeah. for me, um, self-care is taking care of self. And when I think about the self, I think about the mind, body, spirit of a person uh-huh. and, you know, even going into relationships about self-care, like in order to have those healthy relationships, I feel like a part of me learning how to have healthy relationships started with me learning how to have that with myself first. And how, mm-hmm. how do I take care of Cassandra? Because if I don't know how to take care of Cassandra, if I don't know what my needs are, how can I explain? express that to someone else. What I need in this relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd love to hear your take on, you know, your self-care journey and navigating your healthier relationships.
1: Yes. So, um, to your point, when it comes to self-care, so much of self-care is not Instagrammable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can't take a picture of that. (laughs) No, you can't. I mean, literally most of what self-care involves for me is organizing the thoughts that are in my brain so that I am communicating appropriate, realistic, healthy messages to myself. You know, in times of failure, I can't jump down the, I'm so crappy, I'm so stupid. I don't know what to do. I can't jump down that rabbit hole, Cassandra. How the hell am I supposed to lead my two children and my husband in this thing called life if I'm doing that to myself all the time yeah yeah. that's not Instagrammable friends it's what are you going to take a picture of for that you can't put that on Facebook it's private and personal right and that's how it's supposed to be it's okay if you don't put pictures of your self-care onto a website
0: yeah
1: yeah that okay. Part. So don't get it twisted. The whole <laughs> thing with the spa and the mimosa. Hey, I love me a good mimosa. I really, do. <laughs> I really, really do. But that is very surface level when it comes to self-care. Self-care is the work that we do to protect our energy, yeah. to make sure that we can live inside ourselves yes. safely.
0: Yes. Yes. I love self-care
1: that. is turning yourself from your own enemy into your greatest ally. That part that part. Yeah, that part. So
0: um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I know, I know there's these really cute fabletics ads on Instagram and whatnot, and, and more power to them. This is not me bashing any of those companies or spas or mimosas, but please everyone listening, you have got to know that that is just one tiny little rice grain of what self-care really is when it comes to what, what, it what you need to fill you up and you yes. have to figure that out. It's nobody yes. else's responsibility to find that out for you. You have to do the work to figure that out.
0: Yeah. One thing I notice, um, even with my clients, I, I, I typically work with highly educated, intelligent women, you know, black women, we're, we're, we're probably the top educated. Mm-hmm. We're starting businesses faster oh, yeah. than any other culture. And yet one of the common themes that I'm noticing with the women I work with is that they don't know how to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Like when I ask them, what are you doing to take care of yourself and what they, what they come up with, you know, and it's like, but that's not Mm self-care, you know, shopping, is cute and it feels Mm -hmm. good in the moment, but that's not longevity. That's a quick fix, you know, Mm -hmm. mimosas that that's (laughs) a quick fix. You know, it's like these things I hear. And although we know a lot of tools out there that exist. And I know that you, you mentioned yoga and meditation is some of the tools that you've started to use. And we're both writers. So I know we're both huge, huge advocates for journaling. Yes. Um, what I find is that people are mistaking the tools with still learning how to connect with self. It's yes. almost like the tools turn into like checking a box off rather yes. than really going within and connecting with, but what do I need right here, right now? Not let me check this box. Like I did this check, I did Mm -hmm. this check, but really learning how to connect with, but what do I need? What do I want? Um, How has that journey been for you as you've navigated, like getting your toolbox together, but then still learning how to stay connected to Antoinette and knowing like, okay, yeah, I typically journal, but right now I think I need this instead.
1: Mm hmm so um, I had the experience of, um, so after I moved and, you know, had to start telling myself the truth about some of my old relationships that I had in San Diego, I joined the MLM Beach Body. Mm. and um, I will say, this is all I want to say about MLMs is that I have an an episode on my podcast all about MLMs and how I feel about them, Mm -hmm. Um, but my experience in Beachbody taught me a whole lot because I was getting indoctrinated into what business can look like. I was getting to meet lots and lots of people, and all MLMs have a fierce dedication to something called personal development. So mm-hmm. they, they inspire you to read self-help books and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the most valuable piece, valuable piece that I got from my time in Beachbody, because I didn't know that there was like a whole section of literature that I could read about that would, you know, teach me a little bit about how to feel better. Um, but what I was finding, okay. So the way that the MLM was curating this personal development to me was not working for me. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, they were talking about like, oh, you feel this way. You need to go do this. And it's like, okay, that might be a nice solution for those people, but that's not what I need. I need to figure out what I need. And the very first act of sticking up for myself was me quitting that MLM and saying, no, I got to go figure out me for a change. And I didn't care what my friends said. I didn't care what my upline said. I just did what I had to do because I saw myself falling into the same patterns that I was in out in California. Mm. And I said, Nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to tell the truth to ourselves. Remember that part, which you just said,
0: no. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's, that's like the start of self-care is saying uh-huh. no to someone else. And then you say yes to yourself.
1: Yep. And then that's what enabled me to really look within and say, Antoinette, what is it that you like? Cause you don't even know. So why don't we sit and figure that out for a little bit? And, um, that was five years ago. And so Mm -hmm. I, I've been on this journey consistently now. Um, I, I mean, I know I talked about the fact that I went to counseling when I was in college, but as far as consistently every day, staying committed to this growth and this self-care, I've been doing it for five years now. And, um, it's really easy now for me to spot somebody who's like, yeah, I go to therapy. Yeah, I do self-care. Yeah, I meditate. And then the second you draw a boundary with them, they go off, they rage on you. And it's like, oh, friend, you still have a lot of work to do. Yeah bless and release. And that's what I do. I don't, I, I love don't, that keep people. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't keep <laughs> you around anymore. I'm sorry, but I hope that you can grow to the place that you're trying to grow to, but I'm not going to take this bullshit while you're doing that. Sorry. Yeah. You know, I, I can spot it now because that's who I used to be. So yeah. it's very easy to recognize. And I think that, um, And I think this is a good point for us to kind of wrap on too, I think that part of the reason why your clientele and women of color in general don't know how to practice self-care is because no one's taught them how to practice exactly. self-care. Exactly. There were no systems that were showing us how to take a break and how to sit with our feelings and how to appropriately journal and how to speak to people and get realistic feedback from them. Nothing really taught us how to do that, Right. which is why I'm glad that you and I are working together to try to administer that to give people strategies, women strategies and tools. Um, because I think not only does it need to be taught, but it also needs to come from the right people. Yeah. I believe the
0: modeling is to me, it's almost more important than reading it somewhere or, you know, I've, I've heard so many people talk about, um, this space of, you know, counseling versus life coaching, which is what Mm -hmm. I do. And I tell people like, yes, I'm not a therapist. And I believe therapists have their place, Mm -hmm. but I said, but the work that I do is a combination of lived experiences, Mm -hmm. still doing the work and, um, you know, different trainings and, and certifications and things like that, but it's the modeling. Yeah. And I think that that is the game changer for people is when they mm-hmm. see what it looks like. And, it, and if, if we really sit back and think how we learn not to do self-care is because someone was modeling to us how not to do self-care. Correct. That's how we learned that. Somebody exactly. modeled to us superwoman. Somebody modeled to us: hustle, grind, burn out, and so and put yourself on the back burner. Yes, that's
1: exactly it. And so, if we had someone modeling for us, this is how you take a break. This is how you set boundaries. This is how you sit with your feelings. Then, you know, that's going to give way to that too. And so, Yeah. yeah, I think that you are absolutely right. And I know that my therapist she empowered me to spread the word to the people that you know, that, you know, these are unhealthy habits, unhealthy practices. And so I do that again, we've both shared that we're not psychologists or therapists here, but Yeah. yeah, I think that there is a, there's a knowledge gap as well as a service gap that is filled with people like life coaches and motivational speakers. Like you are that is filled with people like authors, like I am, you know, like that, that's, that's where we can make up the difference. Right. And that part I am excited about.
0: Me too. Which leads us to,
1: um, the summer 2021
0: self-care summit that we're having August 21st. Um, it's virtual. And I'm super excited about this because the timing, um, we are, in the midst of this unknown territory, this pandemic, you know, there's rumors of another shutdown, but also we're at the end of the summer, school's about to start again. Um, And so there's just so much happening in everybody's lives and collectively in the world that uh, Antoinette and I believe this was the perfect time to offer my community and her community, the self-care summit, and to give you guys tools and resources, share our stories, what's worked for us, but also put you all in a community of like-minded people who are either interested in doing the work are doing the work and really just lean into that energy so that you can take better care of yourselves and just really step up your self-care in 2021 and beyond. And so we're going to have a link in the show notes for you to get registered. Uh, It's August 21st, a Saturday. 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern it's going to be facilitated on Zoom so you could be anywhere in the world if you're mm-hmm. on vacation just take a little 2 hour break <laughs>
1: yeah, just, just log in from your phone you know no big deal so yes. by the pool you know it's yes it's, yeah, it's by all means make yourself comfortable and Yeah. I'm really looking forward to getting to work with other women on, you know, tackling some of these strategies and putting together, like you said, that toolbox that you can, you know, whip out whenever things get tough, because it's not an issue of if things will get tough, we know that they will. So how are you going to meet that when they do get tough so that you can stay the composed woman that you deserve to get to be?
0: Yes. Yes. And You know, I believe that when we all are taking better care of ourselves, then we can all contribute to those healthier relationships and ultimately a better society and a world. And so there is a snowball effect.
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely.
0: So um, click the link in the show notes, get yourselves registered. It's super low cost, only $50 to register. Um, You don't want to miss it. And we'll be looking forward to seeing you. But Antoinette, thank you so much for coming here and sharing your story, your words of wisdom. And I'm so excited about Saturday, the 21st coming up. And I just can't wait to see how we can serve everyone.
1: Me too. I'm super excited that not only that we're doing this work, but that we're doing it together. I'm excited for that. And I look forward to the other Instagram lives that we're going to keep doing in lead up to this yes. event, because that's been really, really fun. And I, we probably will continue that after because we, oh gosh,
0: yeah. A lot of fun. I, so, yeah,
1: Yeah, I love it. In
0: fact, if you all want to hear some topics from us, you can drop a, uh, a DM in the Instagram and let yeah. us know, what do you want to hear us talk about? You Please know, do. Can, and we can, we can always do some rants on that and share more with you all. Yes. Thanks again, Antoinette. It's been fun and I'm looking forward to our collaboration.
1: Thank you, Cassandra. This has been so much fun and take care. Same to you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, like, share, and leave your review for the podcast. To learn more, go to www.cassandraaustin.com.